Hi, this is Pastor Tom, and I want to welcome you to week five, day three, chapter 21 of our look together through the book of Acts. You might have noticed these last couple of days we've been talking about Paul heading toward Jerusalem. And if you've been with us through this entire study of Luke and Acts, you're probably seeing the parallel. Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. And here is Paul in Acts determined to go to Jerusalem. But that's where the similarity ends. Jesus was going to his death and resurrection in Jerusalem. Paul was going to tell the story of Jesus' death and resurrection as he went to Jerusalem. He was going to tell the story of what happened with Jesus. And here in Jerusalem, as Paul walks into this city, it seems in one sense that everything starts to go wrong. As successful as things look from the outside at Ephesus at the beginning of our week, as we looked at chapter 19, Jerusalem, it looks like a disaster from even before Paul arrives. And in this seemingly disastrous ministry start in Jerusalem, you and I learn some very important lessons in ministry and serving. Remember, every member is a minister. We all serve God. The word minister does not mean those who serve in church. It means servant. And every one of us is to be a servant of God wherever we are. So what are the lessons in ministry and service that we learn from Paul in these tough days? Lesson number one is this. Not my will, God, but your will. Not my will, but your will. As Paul is heading toward Jerusalem, people keep telling him not to go there because they had a sense of what was going to happen when he arrived. And so in verses 3 to 4 of chapter 21, after sighting Cyprus, they're heading toward Jerusalem. After sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria. We landed at Tyre, where our ship was to unload its cargo. Finding the disciples there, we stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. They knew that danger awaited him there, so they urged him not to go. But, and this is important, as followers of Jesus, logic is not what guides us. Faith is what guides us. Logically, Paul should not have gone. It was a dangerous situation to walk into, but Jesus was telling him to go. So logic is not what guides us. Faith is what guides us. By the way, false courage, false bravery is neither what guides us. Some people think they have faith because they do the stupid thing. It still has to be faith that guides us. And Paul was being guided to Jerusalem. He gets another warning in verses 10 to 14. After we'd been there a number of days, he goes to a different place, and a prophet Agabus comes down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, he tied his own hands and feet with it, and he said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. Now, remember, when we hear we here is because Luke was there. Luke was present for some of the things that happened in the book of Acts. So as he writes about it, he is an eyewitness. We gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. Not my will, but your will. It's one of the great lessons in ministry, one of the toughest lessons of ministry. When you come to that point where you give up, and it is a giving up, and you say, the Lord's will be done. You see, they were right in assuming that Paul would face danger, but they were wrong in determining that meant he should not go. 
As a believer, once again, your direction is not determined by facts and logic. It is determined by faith, hope, and love. And that was the guiding principle. That was the guiding strength in Paul's life, Jesus' direction in his life. So not my will, but your will. That's what you learn in the tough days of ministry. A second thing you learn in these tough days when things start to fall apart is there are big issues that must constantly be dealt with that will never die in your ministry, in your service, whether you're ministering to your kids or to a church, to your family. There are some things that are always going to be there. You wish you could get them dealt with and done, but you're going to have to deal with them the rest of your life. I don't like that, but it's true. Listen to how this was true for Paul in verses 17 to 22. When we arrived at Jerusalem, the brothers received us warmly. The next day, Paul and the rest of us went to see James, and all the elders were present. Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard this, they praised God. Then they said to Paul, you see, brother, how many thousands of Jews have believed, and all of them are zealous for the law. They have been informed that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses telling them not to circumcise their children or to live according to our customs. What shall we do? They will certainly hear that you have come. So here we are in chapter 21, dealing with the same issue that they were dealing with back in chapter 15. And I thought we dealt with it in chapter 15. They'd solved it, they'd settled it, they'd had a conference, they'd sent out a letter. Here we are, back to dealing with it. This is a reminder that relational problems and spiritual problems are not like math problems. A math problem you can solve, it's done. Relational problems and spiritual problems, you have to solve it and then solve it again and then solve it again and solve it again. It's something like painting the Golden Gate Bridge. You've heard that old legend, how the bridge has to be painted again and again and again and again. And that's true. There is truth to that. It is always being touched up constantly so that it doesn't rust. You can't ever just let it go. And there are problems, there are issues like that in your life, in your family, in your church, in your business. You have to keep coming back to these issues. You have to keep coming back to the issue of humility. You have to keep coming back to the issue of generosity. You have to keep coming back to the issue of integrity. You can't just talk about integrity once and think, oh, I've got it. Now I'm going to handle that the rest of my life. You also have to keep coming back to some problems that you face, a hurt that you've had, a forgiveness that you've had to give. It would be wonderful if you just forgive once and then it was over. But you know how it works in real life. The memories come back, so you have to refresh the forgiveness. There are problems in your own life, and there are problems in your ministry to others, the way that you serve others at your business or in your church or in your family that you just have to keep coming back to. Paul certainly did, and that's part of the tough lessons of ministry. There's a third tough lesson in ministry in this chapter, and that is, Appeasement doesn't work. Listen to what happens in verse, starting in verse 23. So they go on, those who had said, we've got to do something. All these Jews are, are upset that you're not keeping the law and you've been serving the Gentiles. So they say, do what we tell you. In verse 23, there are four men with us who have made a vow. Take these men, join in their purification rites and pay their expenses so that they can have their heads shaved. Then everyone will know that there's no truth to these reports about you but that you yourself are living in obedience to the law. Well, Paul was a Jewish man. He didn't mind doing this, so he said yes to doing this. Did it work? Absolutely not. Appeasement doesn't work. Down in verse 27, when the seven days were nearly over, some of the Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. They stirred up the whole crowd, and they seized him, shouting, Men of Israel, help us! 
This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against our people and our law and this place. And besides, he has brought Greeks into the temple area and defiled this holy place. They had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, in the city with Paul and assumed that Paul had taken him into the temple area. And the whole city, in verse 30, was aroused, and the people came running from all directions, seizing Paul. They dragged him from the temple, and immediately the gates were shut. While they were trying to kill him, news reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. This appeasement absolutely did not work. In fact, it had the opposite effect. The fact that Paul was going to the temple every day caused them to think, to wrongly assume that he brought a Greek into the temple, somebody from Ephesus. Now, notice, they honestly assumed this. Paul was misunderstood. They believed a lie somehow, a rumor that had been spread. And based on that, all of a sudden, the entire city is in an uproar. It's a reminder that appeasement doesn't work. Those who've already made up their minds to be a critic or to be opposed to the good news of Christ or the integrity that you want to have or the direction that God has called you to go, they will find in appeasement some further excuse for criticism or persecution, just like what happened here. They'll misunderstand and they'll misuse. And those who are willing to change their minds, they don't need appeasement. They just need the truth. They just need the testimony of what God's done in your life. This is a strong and tough lesson that you answer the critics, you love the critics, you pray for the critics, but don't appease the critics. It just becomes an excuse for further criticism if they've already made up their minds. There's some tough lessons here in these verses. The lesson that appeasement doesn't work, the lesson that there are big issues I'm going to have to deal with again and again and again. Lessons I don't want to hear. But to me, the biggest one of all, the thing I don't like to hear is not my will, but yours because I have a will. I want to do it my way. And that seems the best way to me, the most loving way, the most positive way, the most powerful way. But God says, your ways are not my ways. And I love you more than you can imagine. So not my will, but yours. Let's pray together. Lord, we remember Jesus praying these words, not my will, Father, but yours in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he died. And we know that praying those words There's a depth of faith in those words that we feel we don't have many times. Lord, would you put into our hearts faith that we don't have in ourselves so that instead of fighting for what we want, fighting against you over some decision, over some direction, over some circumstance, Lord, help us to come to the place where we give up and we say, Jesus, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. In your name, amen. Tomorrow, we're going to hear Paul speak to the crowd that was in an uproar in Jerusalem. And we're going to learn in that what to say to a group or a person who strongly disagrees with you. (laughs) 